Fantastic, guys. Derek, great to see you, my brother. Man, glad to have you here. Glad to have everybody here for our One Voice worship this morning. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, you talk about uh, your voice going. This week, I actually lost my voice this week. And I know a preacher losing his voice is like an answered prayer to a lot of people. Uh, someone right now is looking over going, I told you prayer worked. I told you. <laughs> Just keep praying. It'll happen. Uh, you know, besides the usual difficulties that uh, come and the discomforts that come from not being able to speak effectively, one particular issue that came up for me this week was the fact that um, I was supposed to go and, and have, have breakfast with someone on Wednesday, and the person that I was going to meet with is partially deaf. That's right. Go ahead and insert joke here. Uh, a guy that could barely hear was having breakfast with a guy that could barely speak. And it was hilarious because he was trying to read. He was trying to read my lips while in a crowded restaurant, and I was trying not to, to spit fried potatoes at him while I was exaggerating my words so that he could hear what I was saying. And so it's been, a, uh, it's been difficult this week. Uh, but it, I guess it was appropriate because it was this particular week that, that I once again went to an account of in the life of Jesus as he was journeying into Jerusalem. And it was a time where, well, it was a time where others, in fact, were told not to speak. You know, with all the reluctance of Jesus being confessed, gone, he went into Jerusalem in a way that drew everyone's attention. It was the Passover season and hundreds of thousands of people were thronging into Jerusalem as the name Jesus began to be whispered over here. What started in just a murmur became a cheer among the people. His disciples and total strangers would take their coats and put them down on the ground and, and people had cut branches and straw out in the fields. They were laying them on the ground as he was coming in to Jerusalem. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Lord, save us! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And although Jesus was the Messiah and King, you know, it's more than likely that people really didn't realize. They really didn't realize the masses that were hailing him, what, a, what was actually taking place. They saw him more as a, a miracle worker and prophet. But his reputation it had been spreading for three years, and he had avoided making public claims that were, that were really over the top. He only just recently began to share with his disciples how that he was going to have to go to Jerusalem and how he's going to, to suffer and how he was going to die. But the time for silence had passed. And so they were shouting, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And on this particular day, Jesus did not try to silence the crowd. He did not try to stop the cheering multitude. In fact, with some of the religious leaders who were there challenged him to rebuke his disciples and to put a stop to the parade atmosphere that was going on, he said if the people kept quiet, if they for some reason lost their voice, he said the stones along the road would burst into cheers. You know, in retrospect, the disciples would realize that this scene of Jesus riding into Jerusalem was a fulfillment of prophecy. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. He is humble, riding on a donkey. Jesus knew this text. And he knew the significance of what was happening on that particular Sunday. And he knew the eternal significance of what was going to be taking place only seven, year, or seven days later. 
two glorious Sundays. But do you remember, do you remember what happened in between? Do you remember how that by Monday Jesus made enemies by disrupting the status quo in the temple? Do you remember how he faced down opponents, those religious leaders that would want to have quarrel with him all during the week? Do you remember that how by Thursday that an arrest warrant had been signed? <coughs> and now on Friday morning that there he was carrying his cross to the place of the skull? How they was crucified there between two prisoners? The Passover week, the final week of Jesus' life, it takes up over 40% of the combined gospel narrative. And so as Jesus draws near to Jerusalem, the gospel story draws nearly to a halt. Everything slows down, as if all heaven wants us to focus in on what is going on at this very moment in time. All four gospel writers just lean back from their scrolls, and they take a deep breath, and they gather themselves and then they give a disproportionate focus to what is just a very minuscule portion of Jesus' life. So last week I told you that I felt that this attention was due to the detail, or due to the fact that, that Jesus was not just on his way to Jerusalem, but Jesus was on his way to his destiny. He, he was walking and traveling these last miles of a road that began in Eden. He was going to Jerusalem for Adam and for Eve and for Abraham and for Lot. He was traveling for Miriam and Moses and for David and Bathsheba. He was going for Jacob and Esau and for Mary and Paul. He was on his way to Jerusalem for you, and he was on his way to Jerusalem for me. He was making the trip for us, and nothing was going to deter him from his purpose. And so between now and Easter, what we're doing as a church family, we're just going on the journey. We're going on the journey, and we're walking there with the crowds, with Jesus, hoping that we can become just as convicted and just as determined, and just as unstoppable in our lives as he was during the final week of his. So when the parade ended, when the crowds began to disperse, Mark tells us that Jesus went into the temple, and looking around at everything very carefully, he left because it was late in the afternoon. He returned to Bethany with the twelve disciples. Now I want you to think about this. He comes into Jerusalem, and there's this parade atmosphere. And the very first place that he goes when he arrives is to the temple. Now hundreds of thousands of people are, are packed into the narrow streets this first day of Passover week. And Jesus is elbowing his way through the streets to get to the temple complex. And once there, he begins to walk all around, surveying every part and every person. And then he just leaves. He walks away. And if you want to know what he saw, well, you have to keep reading in Mark chapter 11. And you get to verse 15, you find out what happened on Monday. It says that when he arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of this, those selling doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he was doing this, it says he taught them, he says, is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, I love how Jesus goes and makes a statement, right? I mean, he comes into town with this great parade atmosphere, and the very first thing he does, he goes into the temple, and he makes this amazing statement. Because what he had, what he had witnessed the day before, it had got him all upset. And we said, well, what is it that, that bothered him so much? Well, you have to understand a little bit of the background. See, the Passover week was the highlight on the Jewish calendar. And people from a multitude of countries and regions traveled to Jerusalem to take part in the celebration. 
And once they arrived there, they had to do two different things. The first was they were required to make an animal sacrifice. Now this was usually done with a dove, especially for the poorest of the worshipers. Now the dove could be bought and brought from anywhere, but because it was required to be without blemish, odds were that if you brought a dove with you, it was to be found impure. But don't worry, you could find a perfect dove once you reach the temple for a price. And second, the worshipers had to pay a temple tax. It was due every year, and during Passover, the tax was given in local currency. And since many foreigners would be in Jerusalem, the money changers, well, they just went and set up tables there in the temple complex, and and they offered to exchange foreign money for local coin, for a modest fee, of course. But they're just there to help out. They're just trying to be of assistance to those weary travelers. It's not difficult to see why Jesus was angry, right? Pilgrims who had journeyed for days just to see God and worship at the temple would would first have to empty their pockets before they could fill their soul. You want to anger God? You want to get him upset? Then get in the way of people who want to see him. Become a deterrent to another's devotion. And God will say, I've had enough. I've had enough. You can see it written all over Jesus' face. He had purposely come to Jerusalem to remove the sinful barrier that was there between the Creator and His creation. And what He witnessed there in the temple courts was a symbol of that very, the very separation. And so He storms in that day with an unstoppable passion. And feathers flew and tables turned and, and hucksters, well, they turned for the exits. There was an imp- you need to understand this was not an impulsive action. It was deliberate. It was a deliberate act and it came with a deliberate message. You see, Jesus had walked the temple grounds the evening before. He he had seen the tables. He had smelled the animals. He had witnessed what the hypocrites were doing. And he went to sleep with all of those images on his mind. And so he woke up the next day and he decided that he would make a point. Do not make it difficult for people who are seeking God. Don't make it hard on the people. Don't make it hard for people who are trying to draw near to God. Don't put barriers in their way. Don't make them have to jump through different types of hoops. Now understand, it's not just what was being done to the people, but it was where it was being done. The sellers and the traders had scattered their stalls and tables across the temple's outer court. And it made sense because this was the area that had the the largest open space. Those outer courts. There on the temple grounds, a lot of space that they would be able to use. But, so what was the problem? We began to understand when we learned that the temple was divided up into several different sections and courts. I know this picture is kind of small, but it, it gives you at least kind of an understanding. You had the court of the priest where sacrifices would be offered on the altar. And the court of Israel that was divided into specific areas for men and, and for women. And all of these parts, you can notice this there in that, in that middle section, that interior part of the temple complex. And it was into these areas that the Jewish worshipers, they would file in day after day. But the outer court, those areas that are, that are more open that you see on the screen, that's the area where the selling and the trading was being done. And that area had a name as well. It was called the Court of the Gentiles. And it was the space where non-Jews, where foreigners to the Jewish community could come and offer prayer and praise to Jehovah God. 
You see, centuries before, God declared to the prophet Isaiah what, what Marco read earlier. For the Lord said, I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem. I will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. That's why we're told that Jesus made the scene that he did. And that's why we're told that Jesus, while he was making the scene, was also teaching the people, guys, haven't you read your Bibles? Haven't you read your Bibles? Don't you understand? This is a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus was incensed. He was incensed that an area where non-Jews could come and worship had been turned into a marketplace. Foreigners to Jerusalem were not only getting fleeced of their money, they were also getting robbed of their dignity. And you can hear the, you can hear the, the mindset of those who had come up with this idea. We'll just put everything there in the outer courts. We'll put it in the court of the Gentiles, and they're just going to have to deal with it. After all, they're Gentiles. And so on that Monday, Jesus said, enough's enough. Stop standing in the way of people seeking God. And church, I want to tell you, we need to be willing to do the same. We need to be willing to do the same. We need to acknowledge that our culture and our upbringing and our theology has formed within us an unquestioned spirit of exclusion where we just kind of naturally accept that some people are just inferior because of their color or their gender or the country of their origin. And because they're different, we've been told at different times and by different voices that it's okay to exclude them. It's okay to overlook them. It's okay to marginalize them. It's okay to profile them. It's okay to profit off of them. After all, they're just... You want to fill in the blank? They're just from another country. They just have a different color. They're just a woman. Guys, let me be, let me be as clear as I can about this. No matter what we might have been told or what we might have heard in the past, no matter what might have been said to us that it is okay, it is not okay. And there is no room for bigotry, for sexism. There's no room for racism among the people of God. I'm going to say that one more time because no one said yes. There is no room for bigotry, sexism, or racism among the people of God. Guys, a person's value is found not in their color or in their gender or in their nationality. A person's value is found in their humanity, being remarkably and wonderfully made by God. And look, societies, they're going to continue to set up tables that are meant to stop and separate and exclude. But as participants in God's kingdom, we are to have an unstoppable passion that says, enough! We're not going to have barriers here. That's not going to be who we are. And look, I know that that when you share a lesson about 
embracing, and I know whenever there's messages oftentimes on equality, there are always those, even within the church, no less, they say, be careful, preacher. You don't want people to get the wrong idea. Because it sounds like to me you're just saying that we just need to throw open the doors and let everybody in. So let me be clear. Because I don't want people to get the wrong idea. And I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying or what I'm not saying. Friends, not only do we need to throw open the doors, but we need to turn over the tables. And we must let everyone in. Every color, every race, every language, every man, every woman, every child. And guys, yes, everyone's going to come with their sins and with their baggage and with their needs, but they're also going to come with their giftedness. And they're going to come with their wisdom. And they're going to come with their love. And they're going to come with joy. And they're going to come with enthusiasm and excitement. Look, God has clearly spoken to the words and the actions of Jesus on this subject. And when God clearly speaks, it should silence all other voices. And that's as clear as I know how to be. See, today's one-voice worship. Today's one-voice worship serves as a reminder that the people of God should be quick to welcome all others into the presence of God. It's a reminder of that. It's a reminder of who we are as God's people. And look, I understand that, that this idea is not always popular. I mean, when the leading priests and teachers of the religious law heard what Jesus had done in the temple, you know what they started looking for? They started looking for a way to kill him, it says. I mean, when he, when he turned over the tables, all of a sudden they're like, we got to get rid of this guy. He's messing everything up. He's stopping the status quo. And let me tell you, the same thing will happen among the people of God when we finally stand up and say, you know, enough is enough. Enough's enough. When we welcome and embrace the person who lives in a different part of town, or the person who comes from a different part of the world, or a person who lives differently or votes differently or believes differently than what we do, there will be a cost. And we can be labeled and we can be talked about and we can be ridiculed and we might be excluded from some other religious circles or relationships, but the cost of being exclusive is far greater. Do we understand that? The, the cost of setting up tables is much greater. You see, when we exclude, we don't just hurt those we keep outside. We damage our own souls even more. Because the spirit of exclusion places us far away from Father, Son, and Spirit. And ultimately, the only one the excluders can keep away from the community of God are themselves. Because nothing is more inconsistent with God's grace than our exclusion. Grace builds up, and exclusion tears down. Grace brings together, and exclusion keeps apart. Grace says, you know, we're a lot alike, you and me. Exclusion says, man, we are so different. Grace is from heaven, and exclusion is from hell. So the people of God should be quick. The people of God should be quick to welcome all others into the presence of God. And guys, I'm thankful for the 
for the roads and for the, for the inroads that our congregation has, has made through these years. And I'm thankful that we have opportunities like this with, with one voice worship. But there are so many other tables that need to be knocked over. There are other barriers that need to come down. We need to be quick to welcome others into the presence of God. And if we have to turn over a few tables along the way, then so be it. By the way, you need to know there is a place for tables within God's kingdom. There is. It's in Revelation 3, verse 20, Jesus declares, Look, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal with you as friends. You see, everyone is welcome to share bread and wine at Jesus' table. Everyone. Everyone's welcome to come to Jesus' table and to have a seat and to be in the presence of God. My prayer is that this pursuit, the pursuit of seeing more and more around God's table, will be our church's unstoppable passion. And friends, may we never lose our ability to declare with one voice that God's house is a house for all. Will you join me in a prayer of thanksgiving to our Lord? Father, we thank you for bringing us together. All of us, no matter where we were born, no matter the language we speak, no matter our race, no matter our gender, no matter our age, you brought us all together at this place to be reminded of the people that we are to be. And Father, may it begin here with us that, that we are a people who are quick to welcome all into your presence. May we not put up barriers so that people have difficulty coming to you. And Father, may it, it not just be something that takes place within these walls, but may it be something that takes place in our homes as well. May it be seen in our houses. May it be seen in the way that we act in the classroom and the way that we act when we're in the gym. May it be seen with what we say and do when we're at work and when we're going out afterwards for lunch. May we have in our minds the image of Jesus saying, enough's enough whenever we see equality around us. Father, we thank you for the fact that you you said that nothing was going to stand in your way. There would be no barriers. There would be nothing that could keep you from reaching out to us. And so with an unstoppable pa passion, Father, you sent your son. And he went into Jerusalem for the express purpose to die. So that the penalty of our sin could be paid. And he did that with a joy of knowing that resurrection was coming. And not just for him, but for every, for every part of creation. And so we thank you, Father, for not letting the barrier stand in the way of your love. And we take that same love, and we take that same grace that you poured out upon us. And may we be quick to share it. And may no barrier get in our way. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Church, we're going to sing together to encourage each other as we begin to close out our time together.
And we want you to know that we have an opportunity this morning that if as we've been talking, if as we've been singing, if something that has been said or done today has caused you to see God just a little bit more clearly, and you'd like to be baptized into Christ this morning because of your belief that Jesus is the Son of God, and you would like to be a part of that kingdom, we would love to, to welcome you. We would love to celebrate that with you this morning. If you're someone who says, you know what, I need, to, I need to have more confidence to turn over some tables and you would like for this congregation to pray that the passion that was present in Jesus would also be present in you. We'd love for you to acknowledge that and let it be known this morning. You're welcome to come here. One of our elders will be here in the front. We'll also have one of our elders in our prayer room in the back. It's in our lobby. If you'd like to go and have a private time of prayer, we encourage you to take advantage of that. As we are singing together, as we're closing this time out, I want you to be sure to look around at all the people who are around you, the young and old, the different colors that we have, the different languages that we have been singing in. We've got people with hair, and we've got people that look like me and Steve. Right? We've got all types that are here. And it is great to be a part of the family of God. Guys, let's throw open the doors. Let's turn over the tables. Let's not put any barriers. This is a house for all. Let's stand and give God praise.